Hello, and welcome to my podcast, John Scott Lawton's English You Know. In this rather unusual series of episodes, I'd like to share with you a book I've written about Florence and about the characters that Florence is famous for, principally, of course, Michelangelo and his statue David, but also some of the modern day characters that you can see and observe on the streets if you, like me, enjoy people watching. The purpose of the book is to share with you my enjoyment of writing and the writing process, but also to share with you the concept of story and how story and reading is a very good way of developing language skills, and in this case, listening to a story through an audiobook version. I've tried to capture the sounds of Florence. You'll hear some bells in the background on occasion, um, but trying to make it appropriate so that we don't have sounds of ambulances racing by when it's actually set in the 15th or 16th century. There are two stories here. The first is in the higher Renaissance, where Michelangelo is in hiding from the Medici family, having upset them. And it's just before he's about to create his most wonderful creation, David, the statue of David. In more modern day, we have a character, Isabella, who is fascinated by Michelangelo and feels that she has some kind of spiritual connection with him, although she lives very much in the modern day. The two stories intertwine. The odd number chapters, chapters one, three, five on this occasion, are in the modern day, in the modern era, set now. Whereas chapters two, four and six are historic, where you'll see Michelangelo or you'll hear Michelangelo within the story, because that part of the story is set in the Renaissance. I hope you enjoyed this rather unusual series of episodes. There'll be a number of them, but they will be interspersed with other podcasts coming next week in the more regular format. This really is an audiobook, and I hope you enjoy it for that. If you have any comments to make on the podcast series or any comments particularly on this story, or if you'd like a transcript of the story, which I will try to make available online, please get in touch with me and I will certainly send you the draft so far. Thank you very much indeed. Chapter 1. Isabella shivered with excitement as she felt her phone ping in her pocket. Maybe it was them. She daren't look. She'd go for a coffee to calm her nerves, but it was a little late in the day for that, so it would have to be a glass of her favourite Chianti, but not now. Florence was still buzzing with the throngs of people who flooded its narrow, flagged streets and wide piazzas at this time of year. Didn't they know that she needed calm to get her thoughts in order so that she could think straight? Her whole body was throbbing with energy, vibration and warmth. It was not just the afternoon sun. This is the moment which could change her life, for the better or worse. One group nearby was making a lot of noise, sharp sounds, a gain of excitement and constant chatter, like a murder of crows. She moved towards the Arno, her place of comfort and peace. She would carry on walking until she found a quiet place to be alone. Easier said than done in this place of mystery, enchantment and desire. Isabella knew where she would go to find sanctuary. She hurried her steps, her beautiful long legs more than matching the stride of the tourists who ambled around her 
getting in her way. She had to be by herself when she read this message. Only her David would understand, and the Master himself, of course. This was everything to her at this moment, but it also felt strangely familiar, as if she had had this experience before. This was always happening to her here, her spiritual home. She knew why. Isabella finally entered the Piazza di Santa Croce and slowed her pace as she entered the Basilica. Here she knew she would find peace and quiet. Pulling her white silk scarf over her beautiful blonde hair, she felt the cooling air of the interior, immediately relaxing her to the extent that she could now pull the phone from her pocket, her trembling fingers having calmed themselves. She moved to be with her muse, loyally sitting at his feet, and almost silently whispering a prayer of dedication and adoration, of thanks and of recognition. She sensed his majesty, even now through the hard stone. His sarcophagus was cold to the touch, the marble shielding him from the air around him, enveloping him in permanent stillness. Such a contrast to his life, full of vigour, candour, noise and restlessness. Isabella paused and was about to look at her phone when she heard a deep, soft voice right next to her. Is this him? Yes, this is Michelangelo Buonarroti. The man moved forward, almost trampling over her as if she wasn't there. She couldn't make out the features of his face as his back was to the light, his shape appearing only in silhouette. He too rested his hands slowly and very deliberately on the panel of glass protecting the precious tomb. From her seated position, she was dominated by his presence, towering over her in close proximity. Yet, she didn't feel uncomfortable. The blackness of his shadow covered her, and she froze, motionless and silent. His coat brushed against her shoulder as he finally turned around to move away. I'm sorry, is there someone there? Isabella didn't reply. She just shifted her position to avoid touching him again and followed him with her eyes as he walked away from her, arm in arm with a dark-haired woman, into the recesses of the basilica. She could still smell his scent, very distinctive and penetrating, pleasant and comforting. She liked it. She lit up her phone, and there it was, an on-screen notification from the Academia Galleria. The tension was palpable. Her breath stopped in her chest and she had to force herself to take in more oxygen. The feeling was so intense. She closed the screen again. She couldn't bear to look. How was it that all the meaning in her life came down to this one moment? Chapter 2 Francesca hurried as best she could across the Ponte Vecchio, trying to lift her long skirts above the mud and filth on the ground. The pungent smell of raw meat and decaying fish filled the air, and she held her breath for as long as she could, 
before freeing her lungs with a half cry, half sigh of exasperation as she turned towards his secret hideaway. Tears filled her beautiful blue eyes as she struggled to see in the evening twilight. Her hands clasped the few provisions she could carry under her top garment as she struggled to move away from some drunks who moved menacingly towards her. Her headdress, worn in part disguise, part dignity, amounted to nothing more than a simple white silk scarf, which she grabbed in one fist, tightening it around her face. She stopped for a moment to look around, fearful that she had again been followed. She waited, pretending to take an interest in a shopkeeper's dismal displays, before she turned, slid down the narrow passageway that led to his lair, and hid herself tight against a damp alcove in the sweating stone wall. Francesca could feel the warmth of the stone which had caught the Tuscan sun earlier in the day. She welcomed its embrace, but, having looked left and right several times, she moved again, quicker this time, and down to where he was hiding. As she neared the entrance, she sang the line which had been agreed as their signal, her code for entry. He answered her call, opening the small wooden hatch that allowed her to drop down into the dark, dank passageway. Michelangelo, master, you cannot carry on like this. Dearest Francesca, I'm not your master. Please don't call me that. If the Republic was to mean anything, it is that we are not slaves to others, church or family. You are my equal, my friend, even my saviour in this moment. She pleaded with him. Not now, please, just eat. It is only bread and water again, I'm afraid. People are becoming even more suspicious. How do you know? Were you followed again? I don't think so. I kept stopping to check, but they have spies and soldiers everywhere. You cannot trust anyone. Who else knows I'm here? He asked. Not many, she said. And everyone is sworn to secrecy. They love you as I do. Michelangelo did not respond, but instead took her hand and led her down further into the deep dark of the tunnel. Look, since you brought me the charcoals last time, I've been busy, but I need you to do something for me. Francesca released the scarf from around her head as her blonde hair freed itself onto her shoulders. He had been drawing human figures again. A fresco of drawings, most unfinished, adorned the dark walls of his sanctuary. They were, as always, immaculate, tender, spiritual and wise, revealing his power to depict the human form like no other artist. I'm not a painter, you know that. I'm a stone carver. But I need something to do, and I cannot reveal my hiding place by chipping away at the walls, can I? What do you think of them? Francesca could not reply. There were no words which could convey the majesty, the delicacy, the sheer perfection of the art. More tears came. How could he be trapped here without her, without the world? What is it that you need me to do? She asked as she heard the faint chime of the bells of the citadel above them. I need you to undress. What? She exclaimed, shocked, surprised, but somewhat excited at the same time. I want to draw you, your neck, your shoulders and your chest, please. 
Francesca knew his intentions. She'd waited many years for this moment. She obliged, slowly allowing her silk scarf to first drop into her hands and then, slowly and very deliberately, she undid the fastening at the front of her bodice to reveal the most perfect clavicles which lay either side of her elegant, elongated neck. I need to get the horizontal lines right. These are the only bones in the human body which lie this way. He spoke anatomically, as if the naked flesh in front of him was of no importance. It was what lay beneath that he really wanted to reveal, to depict in one of his wall drawings. The porcelain-like purity and soft whiteness of her skin added light to the space, and he stared intently and silently at her body and into her soul. He did not touch her, but she wanted him to. At one point, she did feel the hairs on the back of his fingers just brush her delicate skin, and she lifted her chest to receive them. Now he turned and had his back to her as he etched his first lines onto the wall. Intuitively, she cupped her hand around the back of her neck and lifted her hair for him to see the angles he needed for his perfect image. He frantically turned and twisted. He swore as he made a mistake and rubbed it out immediately. Only perfection, only perfection. Francesca's breathing was becoming shallow as she felt the penetration of his eyes, like an energy moving into her body and circling around his before returning to her, charged and hot. Her breasts lifted as she took in sharp breaths, deeper now as she was starting to feel dizzy with the intensity and the intimacy of the moment. She took a half step forward, wanting him to touch her, but he was busy in his work, intent on getting the lines and shape he needed for his precious drawings. Grazie, he ended. Please get dressed. Francesca bowed her head as if in prayer and gathered her garments onto her flesh. She was hot, breathless and emotional. She had not stopped crying since before she entered the cave. You must go now. It's not safe for you if they find you with me. With that, she stepped further away from him and dragged herself to the entrance, exhausted, empty and yet enchanted. Francesca entered the now dark evening sky and disappeared into the ether. Chapter 3 Still shaking, Isabella almost ran through the doors of Santa Croce. She needed to speak to her best friend, Mia, and she knew she would still be at work at the Uffizi Gallery. She was just a few minutes away. Mia, Mia, I need you, darling. Ciao, and hello to you too. What's the panic? I think they've emailed me, but I'm too scared to look, Isabella gasped. Okay, calm down. I'll be finished in 15 minutes. Then we could go for a drink and something to eat. Just breathe, darling, breathe. Isabella dropped, exhausted, down into the plush cushions of the aged couch beneath her and grabbed her phone to her chest. Her elegant pale blue coat folded around her and she realised she was hot from her hurried journey from the academy. She rose to remove it, stretching her tight white blouse across her firm breasts as she did so. The security guard in the opposite corner could not take his eyes off her. 
despite her slightly dishevelled look and panting breaths, she still exuded absolute beauty and elegance. Her fine features glistened in the early evening sun, streaming now through the ancient windows and setting her in an angelic glow. Her hair whispered around her face and she fiddled with it to try to control it. However it shaped itself, it merely accentuated her look of alluring charm. She was blessed with a perfect complexion, nurtured and fed by her Ayurvedic diet, hydrated by the water she drank almost constantly. Her red lips met and parted, leaving behind a trace of moisture on them and an inviting space between them. Again, the security guard chanced a firm glance in her direction, and he found it hard to move away, even when their eyes met. Those eyes, the richest blue, like the purest sapphire, not dark nor light, but with a depth and quality which was at the same time sensual and effervescent. She literally glowed. Her radiance came from those eyes, so alive and revealing. Isabella pulled out a mirror to check her makeup and, of course, to make sure the area around her eyes was clear of blemish or mark. As always, she was perfection personified. Isabella fiddled with the ring on her left finger, the one that carries love to the soul. It was of ancient gold, with the white lily emblem of her home city in high relief. She contemplated on the day she bought it for herself from Pietro's jewellery store on Ponte Vecchio. It seemed an age away, in another life. Things were different then, that's for sure. The ring sat perfectly on her finger, and she could feel the energy throbbing from it and into her being. It was emblematic for her too, in so many ways. Mia stopped her in mid-thought by saying, Are you ready? I don't know, really I don't know. For a drink, woman, let's go. The pair had known each other for so long that they no longer needed to abide by the social courtesies of acquaintances. They were the embodiment of friendship. Each knew the other's secrets and desires, with similar values and priorities in life. Sometimes it's true that opposites generate great friendship, but this was not their case. They were soulmates. They had experienced their own loves and losses, sadnesses and joys. Now they both felt that their lives were about to change, but for very different reasons. As Mia put her arm through Isabella's, she sought reassurance. You did do your positive affirmations and manifestations this morning, didn't you? Of course I did, over and over again. Then come on, let's open it. They had decided to stop at one of their favourite fish restaurants, and had already ordered their drinks when the waiter came to take their order. I can't really eat, said Isabella. My stomach's in a knot. Come on, my dear, relax. Let's think. What does this job really mean to you? What happens if the answer is yes? Then I get to study Michelangelo's private documents and see all of his drawings, sketches and unfinished works, everything. I can finally find out if I'm right. And if it's no, then maybe I've missed the chance of a lifetime and I'll never find out the truth. Open it. Just then, Isabella caught the same deep tones of the voice she had heard earlier. He had an English accent, but he was trying to speak Italian pretty well, in fact. She looked up and first noticed the dark-haired woman she had seen in Santa Croce. A 
across from her sat the man who had spoken to her then. Now she could see his face, or most of it. First she noticed his wavy hair, lots of it, and surprisingly his chest, which seemed to be almost the width of the table in front of him. He was dressed in a collarless white shirt and blue jacket, smart and assured with a sunny complexion and aura. He had an evident musculature underneath that chest, and his arms were obviously strong and toned. Open it! Isabella pulled the phone from its case and kissed it very gently with those seductive lips, hoping it would bring her luck. After a few seconds, she bowed her head, her blonde hair catching the light of the metal lamp above her head. Her shoulders lifted and fell as she started to cry, whimpering at first and then sobbing almost uncontrollably. Mia ran around the table to comfort her, immediately embracing her in the firmest hug possible. Her sole focus was on her distraught friend, ignoring the glares and glances from the intrigued diners around them. The phone fell to the table, the message still on the screen. Isabella, we are delighted to inform you. Chapter 4 Francesca slipped away from the secret hideaway under the Medici chapel of the Basilica di San Lorenzo and edged silently, almost running sideways like a crab, in the direction of the Ponte Vecchio again. She was more concerned for her master's safety than her own. She did not want to expose his hiding place. Constantly, she looked back over her shoulder to make sure no one was watching her, but this only served to make her actions look more suspicious. It was not usual for a refined lady to be out in the dark night of the city, which is why she had disguised herself in more common skirts and headscarf. Still, the fact that it was a silk scarf around her head and not a cotton or woolen one already gave the game away. She had to run. Just as she approached the river, she spotted what she thought was a pile of rags on the corner, leaning against the wall. As she neared it, an arm reached out and a hand opened. Please, something for a blind beggar, he pleaded pitifully. The poor reclaimed the streets of Florence at night, but in truth, they never left them. They were just not always visible to her. Francesca had nothing to give him, certainly no food or coins. I'm sorry, she said. I'm so sorry. And she hurried on, half tripping, half skipping over him, as his fingers brushed her stockinged legs. There was more activity ahead, as citizens, now drunk in the evening gloom, spilled onto the streets and onto her. She did not want them to touch her. Only her master could do that. As she moved through the Palazzo Vecchio, the crowds got more eager, angry and intense. She could hear isolated lines of whispered conversations as she squeezed nervously past people. They'll kill him for sure if they get hold of him. She knew they meant Michelangelo. Having sided with the notion of a republic, he was now in mortal danger the Medicis having returned. Francesca's knees buckled as the fear became too much for her. Her legs could barely carry her weight. She pushed herself against the dirty stone pillar near the entrance to the Ponte Vecchio to try to catch her breath. It was almost impossible. The thought of losing him was just too much. Tears again flowed down her swollen cheeks. Although much older than she was, Francesca had known Michelangelo since she was a child. 
now a grown woman, she had seen him in all his glory and all his pitiful self-doubt. Now she understood him better than many, although no one could really claim to know the man fully. Their encounter in the secret tunnel just now was rerunning itself through her mind. Why did he not touch her? Why could she not feel his fingers on her skin, her throat, her breasts as she had wanted? Was he only interested in her form, her shape, for his beloved drawings? Could he really not love her wholly as a woman? Francesca's head whirled with these thoughts and she staggered on, shattered and broken inside. Frantically, she eventually reached the bridge and smelt the stench of the meat which had been discarded during the day. If the cats and dogs had not had it, then rats were now having a feast. She kicked one away as it ran over her foot, cascading it into a basket across the cobbled pavement of the bridge. The shouts of more drunks, prostitutes and beggars rang and echoed across the arches and the wooden doorways of the shops. They offered no protection, just more danger from idiots who thought it funny and entertaining to jump out in front of her. It's a bit late for you to be out, my beauty. Do you need someone to take you home? smirked one vagrant who leapt immediately in front of her, reeking of alcohol through rotten teeth. Go away, she shouted, loud enough for him to hear but not loud enough to attract anyone else's attention. Breathlessly panting now because of her shallow breathing and her fear, Francesca reached her residence on the south side of the river and thankfully entered her courtyard, closing the strong wooden gates with her back. She slumped to the floor, her head involuntarily dropping like a stone into her lap. She pulled her legs up to her stomach and rocked, forwards and backwards to ease the pain of leaving him again and to chase out the nightmare of losing him forever. That she could not survive. After almost an hour, she pulled herself to her feet, cramped and cold despite the evening warmth. She must eat. There was no use starving herself just because her master was in his self-imposed prison beneath the earth. The noises of mothers shouting at their children to go to sleep filled the air and Francesca entered her home almost unwillingly, to sit alone again in her own silent tomb. Why must she be in isolation? Why could she not stay with him there? How could he contemplate leaving the city for Rome? What would happen to them then? Sleep came and took Francesca to the comfort of her dreams. In them, Michelangelo effortlessly removed the curled fabric of her blouse above her shoulders and gently slid the sleeves down to the elbow revealing her beautiful breasts. First, he kissed her neck, leaving his lips just above the skin so that she could experience the warmth of his breath. Then, caressing the limes which formed the nape of her neck as she threw her head back to receive him. He came to her throat next, which he modelled and massaged with his wet lips. His fingers went to the back of her neck and he held her in one hand, completely in his control and command as she desired. His tongue moved down her body, drawing the lines that were so familiar to him, the shapes he designed and brought to life in his stone carvings. She was becoming his latest work, his creation. Let me release you from this still rapture of the stone. Let me show you to the world. Chapter 5. 
I've completely forgotten. It's my bloody English class. Now, exclaimed Isabella. You can't go in this state, replied Mia, trying to give her an excuse not to go. I've got to go, especially now. The new job in Academia Galleria demanded that she worked on her English language skills, as she would be expected to welcome researchers and scholars from around the world to expose them to Michelangelo's treasures. Isabella gathered her things together and glancing across at the table next to her, noticed that the handsome chap with the English accent had gone along with his companion, probably embarrassed by all the tears and commotion. Another missed opportunity. I'll just make it if I go now. I'll see you tomorrow, darling, I promise. With those words, Isabella was indeed gone, rushing as always so as not to be late, leaving Mia to settle the bill, not for the first time. Not that it mattered between these two, they shared everything, even, in the not-too-distant past, their men. Mia adored Isabella, and the feeling was reciprocated. They had met at university, in their master's studies, and formed an immediate bond. They had laughed, loved, joked, drunk, travelled, climbed, walked, and danced together, and had never tired of each other's company. Their earthly souls were entwined, inextricably connected. Mia collected her coat, thanked the attentive waiters, and disappeared into the late evening sun. She would walk by the river to catch the Florentine sunset, her favourite part of the day. Isabella sped around the back of the Piazza del Duomo and turned right at one of her favourite cafes in Florence, heading up Via dei Servi and left onto Via dei Pucci. She arrived gasping again at the steps to the Centro Linguistico di Ateneo of the Universi degli Studi di Firenze and rushed to reception to try to find the room for her new class. It was upstairs at the back of the building. It would have to be, of course, but she found it eventually and tapped gently on the huge wooden door as she entered. There was a general buzz of anticipation and energy in the room, a definite vibe which was both refreshing and welcoming, as if the room had been recently cleaned and aired. Most of the soon-to-be classmates seemed to be about her age, roughly, with a balanced mix of men and women, or genders to be more precise. Isabella found somewhere for her powder blue coat, brushing it down carefully as she left it on the hook of the high-panelled wall and found a seat away from the front of the class, the tables having been set out in a horseshoe fashion. She wondered what her new teacher would be like, in some ways, she felt as if she was back at school. She was totally unprepared for this. She had only decided to enrol once she had seen the advert for the job at Academia Galleria. The job had asked for professional fluency in English, and she had rather overestimated her current language level on her CV, which surely everyone does, right? She had time, two months to be precise, to brush up her skills before she started so she was confident she could reclaim her proficiency. The room naturally quietened itself as the start time for the lesson came and went. Not for the first time in her life, Isabella felt a deep sense of anticipation, which was both unnerving and pleasant in an equal measure, as if something particularly significant was about to happen. She had already just had the best news in her life. What could possibly be better than that? The feeling grew in intensity, and it was now physically palpable. She felt in her jeans pocket to make sure it wasn't her phone vibrating, but no, the phone was in her bag in front of her. She switched it to silent while she remembered. 
she had the sensation that the next person through the heavy door was going to be someone significant in her life. Isabella had had that sensation before. She was not to be disappointed. The door opened and all eyes went to it. To Isabella's surprise and equal delight, in walked the man she had already encountered twice that day, the guy with the English accent from the restaurant. For the first time, she saw him stood erect in front of her. He was tall. She lifted her neck to take in his full height. He still had on the mid-blue jacket which he dressed onto the back of the wooden framed chair at the front of the class as the dark-haired woman, who surprisingly was still with him, appeared to lead him to the far side of the podium and to the lectern where the computer workstation was housed. She then left discreetly. Good evening, class, he said. I'm very sorry to be late. There was a bit of a scene in the restaurant where I was just having dinner and it delayed me. I apologise. Isabella knew immediately what he was talking about and he looked intently right in her direction. She didn't know whether to laugh or cry again, but again she merely tried to hide her embarrassment by looking away and laughing with her peers, who seemed to find it funny. Isabella chose to rise to the occasion and sit up in her chair, rather than slouch down to hide in shame. She had enough self-worth and pride to tough this one out. Who wouldn't be shocked and amazingly happy if they just received the best news of their life? Nothing, nothing was going to spoil her day. She looked again at the Englishman in front of her. She hoped that he was not going to be one of those arrogant Brits. She had encountered plenty of those in her life. Surely a teacher would have a bit more about them than to be rude. He started by going around the room, asking people what their motivations for learning were. Piero, a good-looking chap in his mid-thirties, said that he was a lecturer at the university who wanted to improve his academic English particularly in relation to working with Erasmus students. Amelia, next to him, seemed quiet and unassuming, and Isabella struggled to hear fully what she was saying against the noise of the evening chatter coming in through the open windows. People enjoying themselves while she was here learning bloody English. Focus, woman, focus. It's for a purpose. Be positive. A big guy to Isabella's right sat arms folded and grumpily said that he had been sent here by his employer, a well-known restaurant which he refused to name, presumably for fear of being asked for discounts or preferential treatment. He was definitely not a happy bunny. There must have been about 12 students in all, and the pretty woman next to Mia said that she worked in one of the jewellery shops on the Ponte Vecchio, and of course, English would be very useful for her in managing to sell to the thousands of tourists who came through her doors each year. Now it was Isabella's turn. What could she say? She decided to be economical with the truth and withhold some information. After all, she did not know these people. She did say that she had just heard that she'd got a new job, without saying where, and explained that she would now be leaving her job in the bank. Isabella suddenly woke up to the fact as the words came out of her mouth. She would now be leaving the security, the safety, the regularity, the pension, the friends, the lovers, the bosses, yes, she was ready to let all that go. It was her time. Isabella barely heard what the next couple to her left said about themselves. Isabella barely heard what the next couple to her left said about themselves. She was still processing what she herself had just said. She had been at the bank for 15 years, 
a long time. A lot had happened to her in those years. Some good, some bad, but mostly pleasant, but unchallenging. Her life was heading in a different direction now, thankfully. Now that everyone knew something of each other's motivations and aspirations, all eyes turned again to the front as the teacher was got going with some administrative tasks as part of the first lesson. Isabella took the opportunity to assess this man in detail. She liked that he was tall, and she was right about the muscles. He rolled the sleeves up on his long cotton linen shirt, rather too seductively and slowly for her liking, and revealed strong forearms and a tanned skin. His movements were somewhat odd as he found his way around the small stage, but she was oblivious to anything different about him, other than his gaze was not very direct. He scanned around the room frequently, and she wasn't very sure that he was paying her much individual attention. When he stood up, however, he moved into the centre of the room and came to stand momentarily directly in front of Isabella. His waist at her eye height, and she got a full appreciation of his frame and his torso through the penetrating light, making its way through his shirt. She had seen that shape before. A perfect chest and stomach, stretching down to powerful legs and a toned behind. He was certainly a strong man, that's for sure. Isabella looked up at his head, large with a mop of dark curly hair at the top, not particularly neat, but plentiful, certainly enough to grab onto when necessary. Her mind was wandering. By the way, he said, I'm sorry, I should have introduced myself. I'm David. Of course you are, Isabella whispered to herself. I knew I'd seen you somewhere before. Chapter 6 Francesca awoke to the usual chaos caused by her two dogs, who were at this moment jumping frantically all over her bed, licking her face and demanding her immediate attention. All right, all right, I'm coming. They had their morning routines and they would not be disturbed. Charging down the stairs, they knocked over their water bowl, the contents of which could now be seen ebbing determinedly over the tiled floor towards a strong wooden table in the centre of her kitchen. Luna, Rosa, girls, girls, calm down. By now, they should have been outside, preparing for their morning walk by the River Arno. Francesca hurried to get undressed in the hallway, quickly stripping off naked before throwing on a robe and heading for the bathroom. I'll be five minutes. She knew it was a lie, but the dogs would just have to wait. The cold stone floor at her feet, Francesca skipped across the floor and into the corner she used for showering. The pail of water which she had prepared the night before was waiting for her. Sometimes she spoiled herself by heating up some water on the wooden fire in the kitchen, but she had no time for that today. <clears throat> Be brave, girl. Here we go. She allowed the robe to drop to the floor as she stepped over the drain, ready for the icy chill of the water. Her body already glistened in the bright morning light, seeping in through the small window above her. It cast a shadow onto the wall next to her. It was hard to tell which was the more mesmerising. The shape of her body was absolutely divine. Her long, smooth legs stretched up to her curvaceous bottom, now arching itself into the shower corner, one leg lifting across the other. Her back angled from the tiny, delicate waist which sat above her womanly hips, and her shoulders rose majestically from her spine, 
strong yet feminine. She lifted her hair again, as she had done for her master the night before, cupping her blonde locks initially into a ball before releasing them again around her neck. She crouched down to grab the small bowl as a receptacle to be used to pour the water over herself. She would start with her chest and the pronounced collarbones he had so admired and then her back. She suppressed a scream as she took the icy water onto her delicious breasts, immediately forcing her nipples to rise to the occasion. Yo, 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 she breathed hastily as she acclimatized herself to the chilling sensation now running through her entire body. The cold turned to a form of heat as she repeated the move on her back, yelping like one of her dogs as the water reached her lower spine. More, 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 she cried as she quickly covered herself in as much water as she could, taking its earthly energy into her very being. She dipped her fingers into the pail itself to get enough water to wash her face, delicately at first, then more vigorously as she remembered the dogs licking her just a few minutes earlier. Now her hair needed her attention, but she really didn't like washing it in cold water, although she must. Some perfumed oils were useful for this purpose, and she applied some to the strands of her hair forming about her face, before tilting her head first forwards, then backwards, to run her fingers quickly through the beautiful blonde mass. Her hair was not typically long. She preferred to keep it relatively short, as she felt it suited her facial features more appropriately. She spun around to wash her soft, tender breasts, allowing the soapy oil to linger around the areolas long enough for her to begin to be aroused by the contact. Her eyes closed as she allowed herself to imagine someone else's fingers massaging her here as she had dreamt just a few minutes earlier. The pleasure was immediately alarming as she applied more intense pressure to her fingers' grip. One hand dropped seductively between her legs, ostensibly to continue the washing process, but with an ulterior motive. Later, later, she promised herself, as she remembered her obedient friends scratching frantically and noisily now on the other side of the wooden bathroom door, forcing the iron catch to rattle as they did so. Drying hastily and dressing rapidly, she moved to the courtyard, allowing the dogs to run before her to protect her from harm. Those adorable pups had been a recent gift from the Medici court. They were of the Logato Romagnolo breed, originating from the marshlands of the Delta del Po in the eastern region of the Romagna. They were definitely water babies, and that's where they were headed as usual. Francesca grabbed a double rope to harness them, and she didn't let them run loose in the busy city streets. They were precious to her, and the thought of losing them was just unimaginable. Thieves regularly stole dogs from backyards and courtyards for what purpose she wasn't sure, which is why she had them with her in the sanctuary of the house. She ruffled their furry coats as they got going, their cute faces looking up at her as if to say, What took you so long in there? They wouldn't understand. Not yet, anyway. Passing rows of shuttered shops, some just beginning to throw back their protective wooden coverings, Francesca greeted a couple of neighbours on the street before turning down a cobbled slipway towards the river. It could be dangerous here at times of flood, but at the moment it was fine and surprisingly dry, despite the rain they had had in the past few days. Reaching the Arno, she made the girls promise that they would not dive in like mad fools, but at one point she did allow them to carefully enter the water to refresh themselves, 
as she had just done now. Holding onto the rope, she could feel the current from the water moving the dogs sideways at one point against their will. That's enough, girls. Come on. It's dangerous there. Luna obeyed first, as always, and Rosa was forced to follow against her will as they were still tied together. Rosa was definitely more free-spirited than her sister, and Francesca wondered how two pups from the same litter could have such contrasting personalities. Luna was definitely a mummy's girl, and she did everything Francesca asked of her at the first bidding. Rosa was completely different, and she could be defiant, stroppy, and downright disobedient. Francesca hurried back to her modest home and prepared breakfast for the dogs. She would wait for her own food until she got to the court. She wondered what her juices would be today and whether she would have time to sneak out to deliver food and water once more to her Michelangelo in his forced exile. She had already been questioned as to his whereabouts and she had had to lie to protect him and herself. Her position as court archivist gave her access to many documents and letters that others didn't even know existed, and one of them was a reward being offered for his capture. The Medicis did not take perceived betrayal lightly. She had some idea what they would do to her if she was found to be helping him. But help him she must, in any way she could. It was her real duty. Kissing the dogs once more, and holding them tight to her in a warming embrace, Francesca readied herself for the day, not knowing what was ahead of her, but in her imagination holding on just as tight to the dreams of the night before and the ecstasy of the moments of pleasure she had allowed herself to start her day.